Hello and welcome to the Vagabond Actors Podcast, where we discuss all things acting related. As always, my partners in crime, my fellow actors and acting coaches are Brian Casp, who is presently in Prague, the Czech Republic. Hello, Brian. How are we this evening? Ahoy. I'm doing well. Uh, ahoy. ahoy is how you say hello in Czech. Yeah, ahoy. Oh, is it? Is it really? Yeah, ahoy. It's like the informal, but yeah, ahoy. Oh, right. I thought you were channeling some kind of sailor when, when you're actually landlocked in a landlocked country, and I thought that was a bit... I think it does have something to do with it, but ahoy. <laughs> well, ahoy back. <laughs> Our other partner in crime is Andrea Helen, who has just recently upsticks from L.A., to set up base in Mallorca, Spain. Hello, Andrea Helen. How are we doing? Ahoy! I'm doing great. I love that imagery of like the landlocked Czechs saying ahoy to each other. It's really lovely. Yeah. Ahoy to you over in Mallorca. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And it would be remiss of me to uh, not introduce myself. And my name is Gary Condes, and I am based in London in the UK. So tonight's main topic is the acting world versus the real world. And we're going to look at how the actor navigates the extreme experiences in the classroom when they have to go out into the real world and put a lid on things. So we're going to look at that. But first, we're just going to catch up with what we've all been up to this week in relation to our work and what we've been up to artistically or creatively. Well, it's actually been a really exciting week here because um, I'm working with the I Am Mallorca group um, actors in Mallorca, and we had a workshop here with um, the British teacher and German casting director, and we had actors primarily from Germany, Switzerland, and Austria come in, and they were a really beautiful group. They came eager to learn, really excited to finally be back on a stage again after the lockdown, and they just brought great spirits, and they were very supportive of one another, and we had a lot of fun together. So it was a little challenging at times. We were in a hot space. Temperatures have been really high here, so and there were a lot of you know fans brought in, but um, we did our best to socially distance, although it was challenging at times. But it was really it was really a beautiful week. So I got to. Um, get a little re-energized with the acting community. And we've got more people who I think want to be coming here regularly to study, which is good. And I think maybe some small film production is going to be happening. And so there's been, there was a lot of very positive energy that I got to experience. And I'm very grateful for that. Great stuff. Nice and, and is that the first time since the pandemic started that you've yes. been in a club? Was there something that kind of struck you and gave you butterflies or something that you kind of actually had to get the gears going a bit, anything like that, your first encounter in a class for, for, for many months? The eagerness that everybody brought to finally being in a theater together uh, was was really palpable. So that made it easy because they just came, they came so ready. You know, I think, you know, the first couple of days with the masks and really being careful about where the chairs were and everything you could see is they became more comfortable with each other. And some of them were rooming together in apartments where they had their own bedrooms and things. But just the way the way a theater group or an acting class, the way that they create sort of a new organism together happens incredibly quickly. And that was in a way, I suppose, reassuring to see that even under these crazy conditions, people are still 
so willing to to learn together and to laugh together and to practice things and, and to take risks and be very personal. And, um, that, that didn't disappear. Great. Well, I, I can imagine, and it's across the globe. Actors are itching to get back into a yeah. back, back into yeah. their home, back into their yeah. homes. Yeah, um, mm. Brian. So, yeah, ahoy, ahoy, <laughs> ahoy. <laughs> what uh, what have you been up to uh, since we last spoke? Well, there's a a few things. I had my first flight abroad to do a bit of work yesterday in mm. London. And that was really stressful leading up to it. And just the precautions that I felt like I had to take to be on an airplane, to travel through London to get to my job, the added stress of actually going in to do a job in London, which is always not there when you go and just do it, do a job here. Um, But everything really worked out wonderfully. I I think. I don't think I was infected on my way out. I guess I'll see. <laughs> I heard that Carnival Row is starting to shoot again. So Yay. I'm really excited to hear that, that they're getting back into it after what mm-hmm. Mark told us about their mm-hmm. precautions and the logistics going into actually being able to shoot. And so I'm really glad that they're actually shooting now. Right. So, And how about you, Gary? What have you been up to? Um, well, while you've sort of been gallivanting around Europe, or precautiously, <laughs> cautiously or not. I'm one of the problem people. I know. I know. Yeah. I apologize. While you've been gallivanting and, um, with caution, I may add, uh, and re- <laughs> restarting work, uh, and Andrea has uh, got into live workshops and classes. I'm still in the trenches. I am still batting down the hatches, and I'm still working from home online. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this last week started new courses. Um, one of them is a, a, a five-week scene study course. It's been interesting to get actors' views on how they break down a scene. And I'm mm-hmm. you know, really starting from a place of action, as I've probably mentioned before on one of the episodes, if not more, that the first thing we've got to do is really break it down in, into action. And um, it's been a revelation to a lot of actors, so that's been great. And also I started a new course with some of my regular actors who are a bit more advanced, let's say, um, or who want challenging more, and we've been getting into character work, um, which is always really a lot of fun. And cool. um, really, with the particular, because they, they came to me with a with re- a request on looking at a particular part of it, looking at traits, character traits, or what you believe to be character traits that are hidden in the text, or explicit or implicit in the text, and and, and turning that into into behaviour, and 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 really embodying that, and, and turning sort of psychology into into behaviour. So that's another class that I've been starting. So yeah, great, all good stuff. Um, still online, but um, well, you'll get out there. You'll get out into the world one of these days. Yeah, I'm not sure. You're going to break out of your shell and I don't think I want to. go into the world. I'm not sure I want to. I don't think I want to anymore. I think I'm just it's comfortable in there. I think I'm just going to stay in my hole. You've got, you're in your slippers. I mean, I've got my jacket. <laughs> you've got your tea. I've got my jacket. Yeah. You've got all your backgrounds, your virtual backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah I love it. And they change according to what part of the acting curriculum you're yeah. working on. You know, that's great. I'm just going to stay. I, I, I'm just going to stay indoors, and I'm just going to do my work online for the rest of my life. 
That's great. I was like, like that old. Okay. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner. And if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put Vagabond Actors 25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. Let's move on to our main topic of today, the acting world versus the real world. And it's really looking at how actors, particularly in class, and how class affects one's real life, because we deal with a lot of things in class, a lot of extreme things in class that you might not do in real life. And it's about how to navigate the spillage over from art life into civilian life, if you like. Well, this subject came up in class this past week because one of my students was asking about how in life sometimes you need to protect yourself and you need to keep a distance from the people that are around you because maybe you feel like it's not safe and there are actually consequences to being open and and vulnerable and, and expressing your opinions and all of that stuff in real life. But in class, very often, as we've talked about in previous episodes, you're being pushed to open up and you're being pushed to take things personally and you're being pushed to express yourself as fully as you can and to let out energy sometimes. If you're in my class, you are. And so she was asking how to square that. Sometimes it comes up with students where they might be finding themselves attracted to another student when they're, when they're working with them and letting go of their control and stepping into that attraction or that experience with the other student uh, feels dangerous because they might already be in a relationship. And what does that mean if you're actually attracted to someone who is not your actual partner in real life? So I wanted to get into this kind of topic. I think that it is something that comes up more often in a classroom situation because usually the people in classes who are asking this kind of question are people who are starting out more. They don't have as much of a base of experience to go on to know, oh, this is acting and that's real life. And I feel the difference between the two. But it is true that people who are even working on a part for a long time, you might take on the opinions or the thought qualities of the writing of that part that you're working on. So I just wanted to open it up and see what advice you guys give to students who are facing this problem or to actors who are facing this problem. And, and, uh, and then I think the, the second part of this is there's a, there's a real juxtaposition and conflict between the amount of vulnerability and openness that an actor needs to have in their craft 
versus the thick skin and not taking things personally when they get rejected because so much of an actor's existence is about uh, hearing, no, we don't want you and no, you're not right. And no, you, even if it's more harsh, no, you should get out of the business. And what the, what are you doing acting? You should never have walked into my office. I do think this question is not unusual. It seems to me it's come up a number of times and it's a really valid question. And I cannot ultimately say that there isn't something to consider around all of this. I think it's an important question to face and to make a decision about in a way. You know, we are all quite good at the polite thing that society requires of us. And so what you hear often from acting teachers is you don't need to practice that. You don't need to practice being closed off and letting the comment go and trying not to take it personally because you know how to do that. And so if you're called upon to do that in a scene, you've got that down. Life has given you that skill. What you need to practice is being open and vulnerable and freely expressive and taking things personally and really telling the truth about how you feel about things. That's what needs to be practiced because when it's required of you as an actor, you've got to have the depth. You have to be able to access your imagination. You have to know what makes you tick. You have to know what upsets you what pleases you, what you're attracted to, what repels you. You need to know yourself in these ways. And class is a great opportunity. A good class, which we've talked about, is a great opportunity to explore these things, hopefully in a really safe way. And maybe if an actor begins to think of this as a question of truthfulness, primarily, they can be encouraged and emboldened to take this journey that we want all of our students to take. You know, vulnerability and openness brings up all sorts of issues for people. And then they feel like, oh, anybody can trample over me and life is going to beat me up and I'm not going to be able to protect myself the way I need to. When really what I think we've all experienced and we've seen with our, with our colleagues and, and our students is that when you practice really telling the truth about your unique point of view in the world and you've given yourself permission to explore it and express it fully and you've engaged your creative muscles to move it around inside of you, you know, to listen to music, to look at art, to read things in a new way, to improvise with your acting partners in, in a certain way. There's a tremendous power that comes from that. And Absolutely, I yes. often see that what happens is that actors don't feel weakened by the pursuit. They feel quite empowered to go forth into their lives and to stand behind their word and to choose people who will support them and to choose people who line up with their true beliefs about things because they understand themselves better. I find that when I don't have a space to release my emotions in a creative way, that's when you don't want to be around me <laughs> if it goes on too long, you know, because... 
I don't necessarily become a better person when I'm not exercising myself creatively. And I think I'm not alone in that. It's a release of what I know, what I know resides within me. So is it, is it scary sometimes to see all of the colors that you have and all of the true points of view that you have? Yes, but it's also, it's also so exciting to get honest with yourself. And then you start thinking also just like horizontally. It's like everything expands because as you're looking at scripts and you're thinking about what you want to do with your acting life, your ideas are just really exploding as you start to see what you tune into, you know, and what really brings you to life. And so in that growth that we see in our students, it's really exciting. And there's, there's a force, a life force of it that I think makes them more interesting in life. Now, is there a phase that I've seen some actors go through where they become more volatile in life? Some actors, yeah, I think as they're trying to work it out. I've heard it said by, by my mentors, you know, just FYI, you may some, say some things in real life that you wouldn't have said before you began the work. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to explore the consequences of that. But overall, I think... If it's the price you pay for a kind of freedom, it's absolutely worth it. Hmm. And, and I'm also reminded a little bit of what I've been told about the conversation or the point of break, let's say, between Strasberg's instruction and Meisner's instruction. You know, this idea of effective memory and sense memory, this idea of taking something from your real life and chewing it up emotionally over and over again in your acting life. And Meisner really had a difference of opinion about whether that was safe for the psyche and felt that if you could really be working within your imagination, which of course is limitless, then there's a safety in that. I don't need to kill my dog over and over again before entering the stage in order to become emotional. In fact, the more I kill my dog in my imagination, the less use it probably has for me. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is explore the what ifs. What if this were to happen? Does that touch me? And does it touch me today? Maybe it touched me on Tuesday and it does nothing for me today. So I need in each acting opportunity to know myself well enough that I can, I can pinch myself, I can explore imaginatively and I can create uniquely. That's what each actor is called upon to do. And we all agree that it's essential to explore yourself, your passions, your thoughts, and your feelings deeply. I think that's so important to keep in mind. All of that. I, I'm so on board with it. What, what, do you, what do you say about it, Gary? Yeah, it's delicate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What attracts many people in the first place to acting is that they can do in acting what they can't do in real life. Mm-hmm. An actor can live a truthful life in two hours on the stage in a way that someone doesn't even touch in their lifetime on, mm-hmm. on, in, in real life That's in an right. extreme case. And as artists and examiners of humanity, we have to examine and get into the unflattering parts of ourselves. And that means taking the mask off. 
Um, and that also means getting into trouble in class. And what I mean by that is not in a bad way, obviously not in a negative way, in a controlled and safe way, but it is getting into trouble, meaning if you're dealing with Hitler uh, or Macbeth, actors need to embody the lunacy of Hitler or, or Macbeth or King Lear. And therefore, that's something that we don't get into in life or try, at least try and avoid. So we, we have to. We have to get into those things. And it has to be done in an, in an obviously in a controlled and safe way. And it's not easy. But there seems to be a couple of parts to that in class. And one of the biggest problems that I encounter, and I'm sure you have uh, for actors, is being intimate with each mm-hmm. other and mm-hmm. opening up in a sexual or romantic way in class because the scene and the role and all the rest of it demands it. And, uh, you know, they're afraid of opening up and being vulnerable for a couple of reasons. One is if they send the wrong messages and they open up too much or they op- whatever that is, but if they open up in a way that what they're fearful of really is acquiring a love zombie that will follow them around after class and because they've taken it the wrong way. <laughs> Did you coin that? I've never heard that yeah. before. British? I mean, Gary special, like- yeah. I've, 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 you know, I've had people... I've had to deal with this after class is, you know, I mean, look, actors are notoriously vagabonds, right? aren't they? Right. Mm-hmm. See what I did go. there? Good. Good work. Uh, well, I mean, aren't they? So, you know, there, it's not, it's not a surprise if actors jump in and out of bed with each other, but it is a real thing because particularly when you're, as you said, Brian, starting out and you're young and perhaps you haven't even formulated a true self yet or a, a complete self, not that anyone really does anyway, but you know what I mean. There is a difference between experience and lack of experience. But yeah, opening up can perhaps send mixed messages and 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 that's a problem that's an obstacle and one of the things that i say to people who are afraid of opening up in the moment when there is an intimate moment is is, is, you know just to remind people that it's imaginary Mm -hmm. your feelings are real but just remember that you've created them in an imaginary way you're doing your acting for that purpose there are still others who have a problem with it and that might well be from which brings me on to the second point, you know, real life cautionary tales that prevent people from opening up in a vulnerable and intimate way, romantic or not, because these cautionary tales have taught them that they will get hurt if they open up. So they don't want to go there, even if their mind wants them to go there and their goodwill, their body, their muscle memory and their heart doesn't. And that's tricky to, to deal with. But I think true actors want to go there. I think actors have an understanding that there is a responsibility to do things that civilian people who come to the theatre can't. You know, that's mm-hmm. what they pay good money for. That's for right. us, go yeah. places mm-hmm. they can't. Um, and as a result, there is a therapeutic effect in that. So they can then, you know, to coin a, you know, an old Aristotelian phrase, gain catharsis through it and, and all the rest of it and release. But it's very tricky because, for instance, with anger, you know, people are afraid of confrontation and because, again, there's cautionary tales and their relationship to anger in real life has, has, has taught them that it's bad and it gets them into trouble. And I encourage them to, to understand that this is a safe place. There will be no physical violence or sexual misconduct because it's acting. 
and it ha- it can only go to a certain place. But those feelings are necessary, and those feelings will pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the more you allow yourself to get into them, the more you can um, begin to 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 master them. I mean, as a help, I try. I say in class, you are responsible for your truth, not how the other person takes it. Mm-hmm. And that allows people the freedom to do what they want to do with safety. You know, I mean, I lay it out and, I'm, and, I, and I know you do, Brian, because I've been in your mm-hmm. classes and I'm sure you do as well, Andrea, that, you know, there is no physical mm-hmm. violence, but that doesn't mean you can't lose the plot and get very angry at someone and direct mm-hmm. that energy at them, as we've mentioned in other episodes. And if you can't do it, then you say it, because that's the next step to be able to mm-hmm. deal with these huge, huge things. It is at first tricky because when you're not used to, I mean, look, I come from a Spanish background and my, my English friends used to come around to call for me as a teenager. And, you know, my mom and dad would be arguing in the lounge and, you know, the, the odd cup would be thrown and smashed against the wall. And my, my friends would be going, what the fuck is going on? What are they arguing about? And these are very English friends. And they were like, oh, my God, what's going on? I'm going, don't worry, they're just discussing dinner. <laughs> you, know? you should see them so, really fight. Yeah. And so what was usual to me is, is not usual to someone else. But the danger, and I think this is what we've got to address, is what happens if and when it does spill over into the real world. Because you're getting students to go deeper with their anger, deeper with their sadness, deeper with their vulnerability. And however much imagination you use to stimulate that, there's always a connection to real life. Mm-hmm. And with some people, it's a very strong connection because people have had things happen mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it gets too extreme, they have to seek professional counseling because, you know, I'm not a therapist and there is something greater there that needs looking at. However, when you feel you've been shaken up because you've had a strong scene going on, you're dealing with these big emotions, like in all the great scenes, then you can slow down. You can take your foot off the mm-hmm. accelerator. You can remind yourself that you are putting yourself in a situation here in order to create a piece of art. So it's not going to necessarily carry on. So remind yourself that it is created through the use of the imagination. This is all an imaginary situation. He's not your boyfriend or your ex-boyfriend or your father or mother who you've had very extreme problems with. This is another actor. And you start to try and get them to divorce their cautionary tale from the truth that is needed right here, right now. It's Mm -hmm. not easy, but I find just going, you know what, you can slow down and let's just deal with whatever, however much you can deal with right now. Take your foot off the accelerator. Going slow now means you can go quicker later. Yeah, and there is really a process, isn't there? I mean, there, it's it's not like you dip into the you know the second week of classes and suddenly you're you know you're slitting your emotional wrists no. because um, it, it doesn't really work that way. Generally speaking, I don't think I've ever experienced somebody really trying to go for their their deepest you know gut life experience and and explore it in the, in the early early stages. I think most actors tend to understand that. In a way, that's like the precious jewels, you know, the traumas you've experienced, the great emotions you've experienced. This is this is your reservoir, and at some point, you'll be pulling from that as you choose. But we don't we don't generally start with that either. And so I think, but you might start yeah. with people who are 
you know, if it starts to get loud, I've definitely had people who at the beginning say, well, I don't, I don't like yelling at other people. Mm-hmm. I don't like that, that other people are yelling at me, which can mm-hmm. happen close to the beginning. You know, it's not, okay. it's not as sophisticated as the vulnerability aspect, right. but that you can run into issues of people's habits or the, what they're comfortable, where they're comfortable, very close to the beginning. And this is, this is true, but that that's also, you know, that's, if we're talking about an, an improvisational setting, you know, like a Meisner class, that's the next moment then, isn't it? Yeah. Right. That's how your behavior impacts me. Mm-hmm. Am I walking out the door? Am I shutting down? Am I calling you out on it? Am I responding to your yells with a whisper or a threat? Whatever that, whatever that response is, that's the thing that helps us move through it and on to the next moment. And it's always informational. If we're being truthful, it's always yeah. a piece of information that helps us to grow. Is it uncomfortable at times? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it can be uncomfortable. Is it necessary? I think it is. Yeah. And you learn to make friends with that discomfort. You, you know, the, the, the uncomfortable starts to become uncomfortable because actors in one aspect are emotional athletes and they, they need to be able to do these things because mm-hmm. the people who come to the theater mostly don't. And we're at the service of just like a brain surgeon will save your life, you know, because he's good at that and you can't do it. You know, it's, it's, just, it's part of what we do. And I keep telling students, I go, have you watched any TV lately? Have you seen <laughs> what the characters in a TV show have to go through? Nobody is happy. Nobody gets what they want. You would hate the TV show if they did. Right. You're going to be casual and not vulnerable when when New York is about to de- be destroyed? Mm-hmm. No. The situations uh. that we are asked to go through more and more are not casual. They are extreme. Both directions. You're right. There's a tremendous amount of drama out there. And of course, there's always drama inherent in, in comedic. Yeah, internal no, or external. Yeah. Right. But I find yeah. also that, you know, the journey of the actor in training, yes, you dig deep into some uncomfortable spaces, just as when you're working out with weights, you know, there's the little bit of the muscle tear that's actually creating the growth. That's what's happening. You know, there's the mm-hmm. soreness after the, after the workout. There is that, but there's also, you know, there's also so much more room then for expressions and feelings and experiences of joy and happiness and connection and delight. And there, there's possibilities in all directions. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to reflect on some of the stuff listening to you guys talk about this and having that sharpen my thoughts about it too. So some of the pieces are that within an acting environment, there are no lasting consequences to expressing a particular behavior Mm -hmm. or response, right? Mm -hmm. So that is an excuse to be free with your responses in a way that you're not maybe allowed to be free in the outside world because there are lasting consequences. If you Mm -hmm. tell your boss that you hate his guts or if you express lust for someone, there are lasting consequences in the real world that don't exist in acting because, as you said, Gary, it's an imaginary circumstance. It's an imaginary setup where... It goes away when the acting exercise or the scene or the 
or the workday is done. And so it's important to remind people who are struggling with letting go inside of a class that they're bringing in a consequence from outside or what they think a consequence might be from outside into the space. There's also, and you touched on it, Andrea, and I just wanted to underline it, which is that that kind of vulnerability or aiming for that kind of vulnerability, having that as a goal in the wider society is perceived in a lot of circumstances as a weakness. And it is actually a strength when you can be vulnerable to another person and take them in and be affected by them then that is strength Mm -hmm. for anyone out there who is needing extra nudges in that sphere. You should absolutely go and check out what Brene Brown is doing, what she talks about. There's a TED Talk on YouTube you can look at, and she is a researcher that deals with vulnerability and shame, and her stuff is fantastic. Fabulous. And it's it's just a call to action for someone to just be vulnerable and send out love and empathy into the world and not fall into the shame spirals that society tends to push people into. And that also brings up for me, from the real world, there is a perceived risk to being vulnerable, to connecting, to putting yourself out there and and risking rejection, basically. And that risk uh, and, and it's not a, it's not just imaginary. There is a risk to that. You can you might get rejected. But one of the other differences between the acting world and the real world is that in the acting world, and especially in the classes that the three of us teach, and hope we would hope it happens not just there, but also in in a work environment and in other classes. The partner that you are expressing this vulnerability to, their main job, and some might say their only job, is to listen and accept what is coming at them. Now that might piss them off and they might, they, they don't have to accept it and love it, They but they do have to listen to it, that you will be listened to. And so much of the time in the real world, expressing an opinion or a fear or uh, or a, a vulnerability the other people that are around you don't have time for it they have their own stuff their job is not to listen to you they don't have to accept you and in fact it's a burden to them and so it's another excuse to say in this environment i get to express myself and i know that i will be listened to and actually what I've seen time and time again, when someone risks putting themselves out there and they are listened to, the fear of being rejected, nine times out of 10 is actually, what actually happens is that they are accepted and that there is a real connection and a deep connection that forms between those two actors instead of the other actor rejecting them. Because if the other actor really rejects the person who's being vulnerable, I find it's because they aren't listening, because because they aren't doing their job. That night might not be true all the time. There might be legitimate reasons why someone is rejected or something like that. And in that case, you just have the pleasure of living out fully and and somewhat selfishly what it feels like to be rejected. And so that's that's also something that that you can experience and, and treasure in a way. Um, 
in terms of the people that are fearful of, oh, I'm learning in a classroom environment where there are no consequences and I'm being pushed to express myself and to be full and open and have opinions and all that stuff. And then I'm bringing that into my real life. Uh, and there are maybe negative consequences to having that as you go along, what this intense listening I find leads to actually is a heightened sense of empathy. Yes. And so the behaviors that earlier might piss you off and you might respond negatively to, as you start to develop the empathy for your partner in acting class, you can actually bring that empathy and that understanding into uh, the wider world. And actually, it makes me feel like I'm more in balance, that I'm more able to, when I choose to, I guess, I'm able to see the other person's point of view much more easily. Absolutely. It can stop you from being reactive. This thing that there are no consequences is key. And the journey of training is the journey of making friends with no consequences, with the idea that there are no consequences when you speak your truth. Because art is all about one's truth. And that's why we as humans need it to reflect back, because we often don't. And, you know, and any, any acting training worth its salt should make you emotionally literate. And, mm -hmm. and make more aware of your feelings, be able to access them, express them with ease, and then able to master them by default, whether you're conscious of it or not, because mm -hmm. you're getting involved with it all the time. And once you're able to master the, your feelings, you can choose to act on them or not. That's I mean, right. There's a process of mess to begin with. Then you become mm -hmm. emotionally literate. Then you master your feelings and impulses, and then you choose to pick fights or not because they are worth doing it, and there is a truth that is worth fighting for in, in real life. And from my experience, I got to a point where I get to own that moment between impulse and action Yes, can stop me from getting into trouble and did stop me from getting into trouble. I used to a lot when I was younger, and I was just very reactive. <laughs> but, you know, but also the converse is true because I've learned to be able to speak up and be confrontational in when a way. When you choose to. When you choose to, and yes. in a manner that honors one's truth and my truthful feeling, but in a way that is communicable, that mm. is articulate and direct and sincere even, not from a place of toxic vomit of emotional noise. It also relates to my teaching. When I first started teaching, I was acting a lot, and I was out in the field, and I was still training, and I was acting, and whenever I got a problem in class, I would react to it like an actor in a scene. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that wasn't always the best way because I'd match the energy that was coming back. And often we got, you know, it got a bit spiky. Mm. But now, because I've gone through the process that I've just explained and you've referred to, is that I'm able to make a point, even though I might be angry, without having to get into trouble that in a way that doesn't solve the problem. The problems I find happen when you hold on to an emotion, when you hold on to a response, then you get into trouble. It's not the expression of it. It's when I, if something in the real world happens and makes me angry, if I express it right then, then it doesn't 
stay with me. It doesn't fester. And like you said, Gary, I can choose to express it in a way that is confrontational or that is constructive. But if I hold on to it, and sometimes you hold on to it because you don't have that emotional fluency, then you don't know how to express it. You don't know even that you're feeling it when you're feeling it. To people who maybe they have a hard time because they've had some experience in their past, then they, they say, I just don't want to open up. I just don't want to yell at people, or I just don't want to, I just don't want to do this. But that means that your eligibility for casting is going to be affected by that. The roles that you're going to be asked to play are going to be affected by how open you are. And so it's a, it's a real encouragement to say, let, fine, you don't have to open up right away, but if you're not pushing against the experience of opening up, your opportunities are going to be limited in terms of casting. I, I really, I, I couldn't agree more with the points that you're, that you're both making. Uh, and I do think empathy is a really important piece of the equation and the empathy that you develop for your classmates if we're talking about a classroom setting, as you see them exploring the same things you are in their own unique ways and going through their own struggle. And as you uncover more about what their truth is, my experience is that your heart expands with that. You see them in a much larger way. So the girl that you thought was like, oh my God, I can't believe she's in my class. She <laughs> seems to have nothing to say. Like I'm sure she's taking selfies right after class all the time, you know, and then you see her do the work and dive in and explore. And you see the colors that make up this young lady. You can't help, but have greater understanding and compassion. And do you take that to the real world? Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times in other work I have called upon the skills, my acting skills, really, not to be, not to put something on as most, you know, civilians sort of think of actors. Oh, well, you know, you're you're an actor, you can lie. It's like, no, actually, that's the hardest thing. No, it's harder. (laughs) (laughs) It's rather all over my face what my truth is about something. So that's actually much, much harder for me. Mm-hmm. But the amount of empathy that I've developed for myself and for others through the work has brought me through so many circumstances that could have been much more challenging. It's, to me, it's really a gift of, of what we do. It so really is. I, I it's the reason to do it. It is yeah. the reason for me. That's why I do it. And become more human, a better yeah. human, I hope, and a more interesting human. And um, you know, it's scary, but the best things are. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to make friends with that because there's a responsibility, as we've said mm-hmm. before. And you know, as, as Jung calls it, your shadow. I mean, of course, we don't want to get it out of control, but you know, we have to accept that these are all parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and I think what you we're all saying here t- tonight is. Um, is that if there is a safe, sensitive guide that takes you through the work, then you will actually make friends with the monster and mm-hmm. use it in the right way very quickly. Have you ever had any extreme students that have actually kind of gone off the scale because of some background problem? Um, I haven't had any students that have done it in class. 
I have had some students, well, a student that I can think of that took the freedom that was offered in class and started to apply it in a very, for him, personally destructive way to his to his life and actually ended up going into uh, an institution for a while and and really had some trouble. And I don't think it was just my class. To, <laughs> this is a great advertisement for my class. But, um, <laughs> but I don't think it was just that. I think he would have found an excuse to do that. No, you know, it was just, it was convenient because we had just had this thing where I was saying, you can go and be free and express yourself. And he took that to mean in, in everything and in the wider world and that, you know, he could basically just do whatever he wanted. And that yeah. was, yeah. that's not it. No, um, well, there's got to be something missing there that needs attention. Because- yeah, no. And he, he was getting, and he ended up getting, institutionalized and, and getting some professional help. Um, yeah, 99.9% of people don't, that never, you know. Oh, no, no, that, that was a unique, yeah. a unique case. Yeah. And yeah. then I've also had some, uh, I had a student who was from Sierra Leone and we started talking about, uh, stepping into that vulnerability. And he's, and he said that, um, he, he said, it, you know, if I start opening that door, there's so much, pain and darkness there out of the things that he's seen in his life being in that growing up in that in that environment that he said i i just can't i can't do it and mm-hmm. i said well okay i mean not you know who am i to say oh you must do it if, you know, i'm just an acting teacher you know i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna screw with someone's life but yeah. um i said okay if you can do it in a way that is gentle for yourself Mm-hmm. then that would be great. And I said, and if you can't, then that's fine. I mean, it's not like you must do it. It's just like I said earlier, it's, it might affect the roles that you're asked to play if you can't access certain parts of yourself and certain opinions. But, you know, maybe that's a trade-off that you want to make. You know, yeah. it's, there's no right answer in terms of like, you must get X far. Yeah. In, yeah. in this, it's, I think that the, that the main thing is that you are aware of it and that you're pushing, you're pushing against the boundaries uh, where you think things are appropriate and, and not to take huge steps past where that boundary is, because that could be damaging. Um, you don't want to take a huge step past where you're comfortable because unless, unless you, you have a moment where you're, where you're really like feeling free. But even then, you know, like if you, if you go back to the gym analogy, if you start to do a lot more exercise than you or your body is ready for, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Um, There's a natural goal there. Yeah. So you have to be somewhat aware. And that's, uh, again, talking about, you know, a good teacher, the teacher also needs to be aware of where the student might be and how much to push and how much and when, when to push and when to, and when to slow them down. If, if it feels like a student's going out of control, um, you, you don't want that. Um, so that, that's been my experience. Andrea. I haven't really had anybody go off that poorly. I did have one student who. It's cause you're so good. It's cause you're such a great teacher. It's it's you. (laughs) Or just Brian and myself attract the uh, extreme. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to use another word then, but I, I know this is going public. So yeah. I, 
I did have one student who struggled with judgment of his classmates. And uh, he has a very strong personal religious practice. And there were times when he, he struggled to differentiate between the experience of a scene, even if it was something he was watching, but certainly when he was in it, he would pull out and judge it from his interpretation of its moral angle. It, he really had a, a strong point of view about all of it, and he couldn't detach from that. And that created some difficulties with his classmates at times. And I think for himself, um, he, he wasn't able to fully give over to something if he felt it wasn't in line with his his ethical code, his personal ethical code in real life. So that was that was a struggle yeah. that he had. I, I know that one. I've had I've had a very deeply religious person mm-hmm. uh, who you know would label things immoral and and uh, and not worth doing, and it was like, well, I can only take you so far. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sorry because if you can't acknowledge that this is part of human experience, mm-hmm. then um, you can't get into it, you know. So I've had that. But the worst I've had, and it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it was, um, I had a student of mine whose mother was murdered. Mm. I know that, I mean, huge. And there was so much pain. And Murdered close to the time when you were, when, when that scene was working? Or, or? Two, years, two years, but I mean, you know, how, you know, that I suppose that's kind of, this takes years for that to, yeah. to, I mean, it was heartbreaking to be in the room with it, but, um, all I could do was just get her to take it slowly and put her attention and not to drown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. which again, the classic things, which were to stay with their partner, not to drown. She mm-hmm. was drowning, but she wasn't taken under so much that she couldn't actually continue the exercise. So she could actually operate mm-hmm. when she was, putting everything she had into her partner. And, you know, there were, there were a, a couple of months, the first couple of months where it was just come at tears, rivers of tears coming out and coming out and coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was just saying, keep, keep on line. Just keep saying the lines. Don't worry about the scene. This is the scene right now. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about it. And, but, but learn to listen to your partner or the, the classic basic acting elements and respond to her and stay online with your partner because otherwise you will drown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she got through it and, and she was able to then, you know, eventually get through a scene and, and begin to use imaginary elements. At first, I just couldn't even go there because that was like putting a plaster on a cancer. I mean, it just wasn't going to work. So it, it, I just had to, it, at first I didn't know what to do. And I just thought, you know what, I've got to just follow my nose and see and and be with this and let it be what it is. I just kept reminding her of listening, being connected with her partner through listening and, and throwing the ball back. Mm -hmm. And it was a simple keeping the game going for her. So she didn't drown Mm -hmm. through these basic elements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because the moment she got up, she craved um, connection. You can never go wrong with, reminding people to put their attention off of themselves. Yeah. That's always going to work. Yeah. You know, there's, that's always going to be there. I wanted to ask you guys, cause I, I know that was that second part when I introduced this and we've taken up a lot of time talking about 
the classroom side of this, but do you have any, any thoughts about the, the challenge that a working actor has to keep vulnerable and keep open during the work part, but also develop a thick skin uh, for all of the rejection and all of the, the bullshit that comes their way in the business side of, of our work. What I tell people is that if you take care of what you can control and there are certain elements of what you can control, then the rest, and you accept that the rest you can't, it's like, then, then give yourself over to that. So if you're taking care of your side of the fence and you're tidying your room and your way, and you've got everything that you've done, everything that you possibly can, and you know you can, how you walk into a room for a casting and how you do your job, you can take responsibility for that. But you can't take control of stuff that you can't take control of. Yeah. You know, you go to a casting and you go, you know what? I did what I wanted to do. And if they go with someone with blonde hair, then that's out of my control. And make friends with that. And use it for yourself. And you know, this is a, a casting situation. Yeah. I just think that if you get too hung up and take things too personally on the rejection side, then you're focusing your energies in the wrong place, mm-hmm. which is keep doing what you can do and what you have control over. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I I don't know how many times I've had this conversation about how it's just not about you. You know, there are so many things that are outside of one's control. You, You may not ever know the answer why one person was cast instead of you. You have to just keep going on. And the more you... Put the attention on the development of your craft, the more confidence you gain in what you can create, um, the more energy you'll bring into that room and you will feel more in control because you have so much more craft to bring to it. So as you're right, the only area that you can have some control over is how much preparation you do for the work and the rest of it, you just have to wave it goodbye because you'll make yourself crazy otherwise. And yes, you just develop a thick skin by, by doing it over and over again. You know, there was, I remember a, a commercial casting once in LA and uh, we had to, it was all women and we had to wear our swimsuits at some point in the audition. So we all came in with the sundresses over the swimsuits and things. And there's, you know, 45 women in this waiting room and they're running behind schedule and we're every, every color and size. And everybody's a little nervous because it's, you know, it's going to be swimsuits. And the casting director comes out to apologize for being late. And she, she sees an actress sitting near the doorway whom she recognizes. Oh, so, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. You're exactly what they're looking for. Mm. Okay, I just heard 43 women's hearts sink in unison. You know, what am I doing here? Why did I just drive an hour across town? What am I doing here? Do I belong here? Should I stay? Or do you you just need us to go? I mean, all of those things come to mind in that moment. And you have to sort of laugh and say, well, that was, yeah, I think that wasn't the great move by the casting director because she's just deflated all of us and she needs us to walk in and feel strong and, you know, confident and competent. But um, I'm not going. I'm not going because maybe the client has a different idea. 
Yeah. And, um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to put myself out there and you know, the skin thickens a little bit in that moment, but you, you have to laugh about, about some of the things that, that you'll be faced with and just keep on yeah. keeping up. I have this thing that I keep focusing on and I started doing this a few years ago and I might've already mentioned it. If I haven't already mentioned it, I will certainly talk about it again because it is this mantra that I have and it is to take fulfillment from every step in the process. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do. I don't do it all the time because sometimes it stings a little bit if you are ex- excited about something and then it falls through or if they say, well, we, we're not going with you or something like that, it hurts. But if I focus on when I'm at the step of preparing for the audition, if I take fulfillment from that, then it doesn't hurt as much when they say, oh, that audition is canceled. We're not doing that anymore. Okay, great. I took fulfillment out of preparing for it. I've got what I needed out of it. If I take fulfillment from doing the audition and having that experience and committing to that experience, then that's it. And I got to do that. And I got to experience that. And I'm going to appreciate and love that I got that experience. And if it doesn't go any further, okay, I got what I needed to out of it. If I get the job and I'm shooting, then I can take fulfillment out of the day of shooting. This mantra of taking fulfillment from every step has revolutionized the way that I approach the life of a working actor because I don't feel as rejected. Even if I don't get the job, I go, okay, that that didn't happen. Okay, there's something else that's coming. I think the other thing that I would say about being vulnerable and facing rejection or the harsh realities of the business is be active, create your own stuff, create your own opportunities. I once went to lunch with a producer who, when I said, what are you up to these days? He said, oh, we're optioning this book. We're finishing the post on this TV show we're doing. Uh, Then next week, we're going to go off and direct this other TV show. And we're finishing the script on some other thing. And he listed off maybe 14 or 15 different projects because everything is falling through all the time. This is what you need to do to have a consistent level of work. And then if you have a consistent level of work, you don't worry about the the jobs that are falling through. You don't worry about someone saying, and it's probably less likely that someone would say, oh, we don't want you and that's going to affect you because you go, well, fine, I'm, I'm, I've got six other things that are going on. I don't need you anyway. Yeah, that's great. And you're talking, you know, from the point of view of a real actor who's in it for the long term. I mean, you have to, like life, you've got to build a, a philosophical bravery. Otherwise, it will consume you, chew you up, and spit you out and you'll be you'll be um resentful you'll a puddle be- on the floor <laughs> yeah you will. yeah the philosophical bravery is absolutely necessary along with the moments of downtime you're, you're filling it with your art and you know mm-hmm. between you know doing acting or looking for a job fantastic i think we've covered a lot there i think uh, i get the sense we could go on forever but um i have dinner waiting for me and roast chicken so i'm mm-hmm. going to wrap this up so yeah, we like to wrap it up with just a little check-in with any performances or shows or pieces of artwork or music or anything that's really wowed you or you've just been into this week that you can recommend or give a tip on. Um, Andrea? I am working on two virtual choirs. I mentioned this last time. There's another one. In the meantime, there's a LA-based 
composer who's very well regarded and well known named Eric Whitaker. And he has written a piece for virtual choir to be performed soon. It's rather a global phenomenon, his his virtual choirs. So check him out at ericwhitaker.com. That's E-R-I-C-W-H-I-T-A-C-R-E.com for more information. You can join us. Great. Brian, anything to recommend? Uh, we, my wife and I are, well, my wife mostly is doing this, but last night I watched uh, the Met production of The Marriage of Figaro mm. on YouTube. And it was, it was so wonderful to see the, the artistry and listen to the music. And it was just, it was just immersive and, and wonderful. So I, I recommend going out. Um, there's, I think there's opera all over the, the internet these days uh, that's just out there for, for people to watch. So I go and watch some opera. That's what okay. I have to say. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, it's not something I gravitate to naturally. So that's maybe something I shall uh, have a look at. They are like four hours long. So you, it's kind of like committing to the Irishman on Netflix. You gotta have to set aside a chunk of time, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, it's good. As bloody as, as the Irishman as well as. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> uh, great. Sounds good. I'll check that out. Um, what have you I, seen, Gary? Well, I, I, I spent this week sort of promising because I've been promising to catch up with some of my clients work and uh, it's always tricky and you know I, I try and do it as much as I can because we work on stuff and then they go and do it um, so I have um, caught up with a couple of films of my client Stacy Martin who was um, was in Nymphomaniac Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac and she went on to um, do a film called Childhood of a Leader by Brady Corbett and it was a debut feature and it's about a petulant 10-year-old kid set in 1919 and he's brought up by these authoritarian parents and it shapes his beliefs and he develops a terrifying ego and he ends up becoming a fascist dictator. Um, so it's kind of... Um, nice. Yeah, it's a really... But it's a debut feature and it is remarkable for a debut feature. And uh, yeah, it's very steely and sinister and very gripping movie about you know how uh, the psychology behind a, how someone becomes a, a bit of a monster and a dictator. So uh, my client Stacy Martin is in that, but it's a great f- debut feature by Brady Corbett. And uh, yeah, so I recommend that. Wonderful. Great. So yeah, if you have any questions at all on what was talked about today or any queries or want to chip in with uh, any insights about what we've talked about, please do get in touch. Or if you have a particular topic in mind that you'd like us to talk about, again, uh, message us and, and send it in and, uh, and we'll, we'll consider it and uh, we'll talk about it. So please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you, what thoughts you might have. Please like and share our podcast and you can download them. They are on Podbean, they're on Spotify, and they're also on Apple iTunes. You can get hold of us. Andrea, when can people get hold of you? I'm on Twitter at Andrea Helene and on Instagram at Andrea Helene 3. And Brian, where can people get hold of you if they want to make contact? My handle is Brian Casp, like my name. It's got an E on the end. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I have a Facebook page for all my fans. <laughs> Which that I rarely <laughs> post to, but I, I, I do put stuff there. Don't look for me on regular Facebook because I won't friend anyone anymore. But I, I, I'll do that one. I'll do the page. Great. 
And myself, I'm- Gary Condes, you can get hold of me on yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Gary Condes, or probably best to go to my website and the contact page at GaryCondes.com. Um, so I think that's it. This was um, fun. This was a fun one. I like getting into the dark, the dark meat, the, uh, the dark underbelly of, uh, of vulnerability and acting. Ha-ha-ha. Fantastic. For today, thank you very much and good Cheerio. night. Good night.